Jesus. And that's the believer's life. We are, the Christian's life is, is uh, God's workmanship. That's what you need to remember. From the start of it to the end of it, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author of it, and he is the finisher of it. Uh, and the, God's work in man, uh, when he saves a man, God's work in him is for all of eternity. It starts here, and it starts with eternal life through Jesus Christ when you're born again, but it continues on while you're through this life and all the way until you're home. Uh, and then when you're home, God continues to do his mighty work in you, uh, but faith turns into sight, amen, and you're able to see him and live in the glory of God for all of eternity. This is the future of man that is saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. We are not going to get to that last part there, the last phrase there that is there. We're going to talk about, actually, we're not even going to get through the first or the second phrase of that completely because we're going to talk about saved unto good works next week. We're not going to get that far here this week, but that's okay. We're going to really focus on his workmanship and being created in Christ Jesus and what that means. Father, please bless us now as we look through the scriptures. Thank you so much for eternal life. Thank you for explaining it all to us in your word. Uh, please, Lord, have the Holy Ghost to drive it home to our hearts here today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so what, what the Bible says here, we, we've covered so many of the blessings of the Lord since opening up this in chapter 1 on this topic. And now we come to something that continues that same theme, but it unveils to us a further it, it, it unveils to us further a most important thing to understand, that we are God's workmanship. I want you to think about that for a second. That's the purpose of you being saved tonight. It's not just that we escape the flames of hell and do not receive our just reward in the lake of fire for our, all of eternity, but it's more than that. We do not merely get saved by grace through faith to be left in this life to wander around aimlessly or to be left to our own devices. No, the same grace that saved us is the same grace that will continue to teach us, will mold us and make us what God Almighty purchased us to be. If you have a salvation that left you dead, then you got ripped off. You got deceived. Salvation does not leave you dead. Salvation is life. It is life forevermore. We are servants of the living God, and God is the God of the living. God's children are alive by faith in Jesus Christ. They are alive. And that's important to understand. Some opening comments by one man I thought were very good when I was researching this. The true Christian is a specimen of the divine handiwork. We are his workmanship. So far as man from being the author of his own salvation or from procuring salvation for the sake of any works of his own, that not only was his first creation as a man the work of God, but his new spiritual creation is wholly the result of divine power. Man in the marvelous mechanism of his body and of his unique mental and spiritual endowments is the noblest work of God. He is the Lord and high priest of nature and has 
such dominion over it as to be able to combine and utilize its forces. But the creation of the new spiritual man in Christ Jesus is a far grander work and a more perfect and exalted specimen of the divine handiwork. It is a nearer approach to a more perfect image of the divine character and perfections. As the best work of the most gifted genius is a reflection of his loftiest powers, so the new spiritual creation is a fuller revelation of the infinite resources of the divine worker. See, it is God that does his work in us. It is God that does that mighty work. So the first point tonight is for we are his workmanship. Again, that word for is the same as the word because. We are. You know, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. He's saying because we are his workmanship. We, that's who we are. His workmanship. The good works are the product of the new creation in Christ, or the new creature in Christ, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. See, you were saved for a purpose. You were saved for a reason. God had a reason to save your soul. One, you needed it, that's for sure. But it's to, it's to, be, it's to manifest God's glory. It's to show forth His praises for all of eternity like he talked about in this text. When the sinner puts his faith in Christ alone for salvation, he is born again and he is a new creature in Christ. He is raised from the dead spiritually with Christ. He is born again. He is converted. He is sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's going to go ahead and talk about that later on in Ephesians. He's going to explain the sealing of the Spirit. That's the work of God. He is raised from the dead. He is converted. Christ lives in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is God's workmanship. It is a divine miracle. God does not perform this miracle so that a sinner can continue to live as he did before. God didn't save you so you could go. It's not business as usual. When you meet the Holy Ghost, when you have a head-on collision course with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are never the same again. You're never the same again. You will never. Any man that tells you that he was saved by grace and he is the exact same old nasty person he always was, wasn't saved by grace. God changes men. Now, he continues to do his work in that man. So the degree of that has something to do with the obedience of you and I to the divine uh, uh, commandments of the Lord and the direction of God. And we can, we can certainly hurt that work by disobedience and things like that. But you'll never stop that work completely. That's the work of God. It far surpasses any of your human frailties. In fact, if you focused on the, the righteousness of God more and the work of God more than you do yourself, you would be better off. The divine perfection comes from looking to Jesus, not looking to self. That's where it comes from. The more I look at that which is perfect, the more I am conformed to that image. The more I look at myself and focus on myself, the less I am like Christ and the more I idolize self. It's a trap, and it's a nasty one, and Christians fall for it. Amen. They look to themselves more than they look to Christ. It is a trap. We are his workmanship. It is another illustration and evidence of God's grace. 
We have to be fashioned anew by God before we can do anything right. Do you know that? Before you're saved, you try to do all kinds of things uh, right, and you miserably fail most of the time. The fruit is not there. The strength of that is not there. The, the, uh, the, the good fruit doesn't, doesn't, it's not there. I mean, you can just about mess up anything trying to do right and trying to do all these things when you don't have the power of God to do it. But when you're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, when you're made a new creature, then you're able to do that. Anything right in us is not the cause of grace, but it's fruit. It doesn't, it's not the cause of grace, right? It's, it's the fruit of grace. Anything good that you and I do as children of God is the fruit of grace. Salvation, again, is not a dead end. It's a new life. Salvation produces good works. If any man tells you otherwise, run. Run from a man that preaches to you that, that salvation keeps you dead in trespasses and sins and leaves you the same way it found you, God found you. That's a lie. It's just a, a flat-out lie. It's a dangerous one, too because it harbors a lot of false converts. It teaches them to, to, to believe a lie. It teaches them that, that uh, there is no supernatural change. Salvation is the greatest miracle that ever happens to anyone in this room, period. It is the greatest miracle that will ever happen to anyone. Amen. When someone gets saved, they go from death to life. That is a powerful thing. Amen. Very powerful. Salvation produces good works. Good works are not the root, but they are the fruit of it. God did save us to be holy. He saved us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Men that are not being conformed daily to his son and in the image of his son are not children of God. They are not. We are his workmanship. That means he is still working on us to make us what we ought to be. It is a continual work, but it is a work nonetheless. It's an ongoing work of sanctification. And it only happens after a man has been born again. When you are lost, you may quit doing certain things before you're saved. I know I did, but I wasn't saved. It was only when the Lord brought me to that place of repentance and faith and showed me where I was wrong, showed me that I was lost that that great change took place, that divine transaction of the soul that took place. And from the heart, I was able by grace to obey the Lord and to follow Him. You can't do that until you're saved. Trying to do it makes you miserable. Amen. The believer is created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The Bible says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, Amen. zealous of good works. Yep. We'll talk about those works next week, but, but that's, that's what he saves us to, to be. By the way, that's how men know. Like, I do not believe there's a contradiction, and I know there's disagreements on this between James and what James says and what Paul says. I do not believe there's a contradiction in there. One is before men and the other is before God. Men do not know you're saved unless they look and watch you and they see how you live your life and that there's something different than you. So in their eyes, you're justified because what you have is real. 
in their eyes, Correct. right? They see your good works and they glorify your Father in heaven. They look at you. Amen. See, James is talking about that justification in the sight of man. Correct. He's saying, and by the way, let me ask you something. Should you believe you're saved if you live like a dirty dog all your life? Shouldn't that shake you to the very core that your, your life doesn't match up to the scriptures? Should, should you have any rest night and day knowing that your life is not changed supernaturally by the Spirit of God and there's no fruit or evidence of it? Well, of course. And it proves that you weren't justified because those that are justified, they have a life that shows it. Right. Now, they may not always show it and they may have to repent and get right. And, but you know what? That still proves it. Repentance in a believer's life proves that they're God's children. It's evidence of them being God's, right? Perfect. I'm not, we're not speaking of perfection here on this side, sinless perfection. But we are speaking of a maturity that comes as believers grow, that their faith grows, it matures, and they get stronger. They're not perfect. They sure want to be, though. They sure don't enjoy living like a devil or being wrong or being out of out of God's will or doing things that are not right, sinning against God and living in that sin. That isn't comfortable for God's people at all. The believers created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The Bible says again, zealous, they become zealous of good works. It is impossible for an individual to be born again as a new creature in Christ and not show a dramatic change in his life. I mean, you're just not going to have a head-on collision course with the Holy Ghost and then continue life as usual. Like, yeah, I'm just going to go drink it in the bar. I'm going to go whore around. I'm going to go fornicate. I'm going to go live my life any old way, and I'm just going to be happy about it, and I can live that way, and I can be happy. No, you might do some of those things and end up in the pig pen, but eventually you're going to be brought to repentance. You're going to remember your father's house, and you're going to repent because saved people repent, and they repent all their lives. That repentance is, is, is part of being a child of God. You will repent all your lives. You know, we all will. We will have things that God deals with our hearts about, and we will repent. We will get right with God. We will ask God for forgiveness. Amen? It's going to happen your whole life. That's not an excuse to sin. It's reality. If any of you get to the point where you say, well, I don't need to repent anymore. I've got everything taken care of. Well, you better repent of that. You're in a lot of trouble, right, if you think that, because none of us will ever be there on this side. There will always be something that God deals with us as we mature and grow, because none of us are Christ, but we're created in the image of Christ, right? But see, he didn't have this wicked flesh. We have it. Fallen. Amen? He didn't have an earthly father to pass on a sin nature. His Father is God. Amen? That's the difference. The believer is created in Christ Jesus. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We always run across, you know the most professing Christians that I ever meet are on the street when we're evangelizing. You ever notice that? The best Christians I've ever talked to that will let you know that they're Christian, they'll be the boldest witness ever, are the ones that tell you you are doing it wrong when you are preaching the gospel. Huh. It's interesting, isn't it? 
You never hear from any of those people until a Bible preacher comes out and preaches the Word of God. Then they all come out of the woodwork and tell you that you're wrong and they're right about what they're doing. And, and then we drop a simple thing like this. Uh, it, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Why don't you want to keep God's commandments? Why don't you care? Why, don't, why doesn't it bother you? See, there are ev there's evidence of that salvation or that, that work in Christ, that work of Christ in the soul of man. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. That is 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. The primary object of the gospel was not to bring us to heaven. It was that we should be holy. Do you understand that? I thank God I'm not going to hell tonight. Amen. I thank God for it. I deserve it. But I thank God I'm not getting what I deserve. Amen. I tell people that all the time. Do never pray for, for, uh, to get what you deserve. Always pray for mercy. Don't pray for what you, oh, God, I need to get what I deserve. Oh, no, you don't. If you got what you deserve, you'd be in hell already. Thank God there are some prayers that God doesn't answer. Amen. Like that. The Holy Ghost is kind of, bats those away, right? Just, nope, not that one. But you know, you know something? We, we sometimes think that way, but that you're, God didn't save you just to take you to heaven. That's a benefit and a bonus. He, he saved you that you would be holy. That, that was the purpose. Because Jesus is holy. And you're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that's why he saved you. Because the only thing that pleases him is Jesus. That's the only thing. Perfection, holiness is all that pleases God. So that's why you were created in Christ Jesus. Because it pleases the Father. Because Jesus pleased the Father in all things. And his sacrifice will always please the Father. His blood that was shed justifies Amen. Paul held perhaps more firmly than any other man of the position that people are saved by the grace of God and by a divine agency on the soul. But it is certain that no man ever held more firmly that people must lead holy lives or they could have no evidence that they were children of God. It should bother you if you name the name of Christ, but you do not depart from iniquity. That should bother you. And that's what he's saying. That... If God never left us that, that supernatural evidence of his dwelling in us by the spirit that he has given us, then that, should, that would be concerning. You would have no evidence at all of the work of God in you or God's promise to you. But what did he give us? He gave us the earnest of the spirit. The spirit then is the earnest. The Spirit of God sealing you under the day of redemption is the seal. He's the seal. Do you get that? God is the seal. That's what you have to understand. He didn't give us a seal. He gave us himself as the seal. He's the seal. He will be with you and shall dwell in you. Amen. So that's the difference. Isaiah 43, 21. This people have I formed for myself. 
they shall show forth my praise. Man, we need to write that in a few places, don't we? Think about that verse. I'm reading it again. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. It's a prophecy of future, right? It is a frightening thing when I see men name the name of Christ, but they have no desire to depart from iniquity, and they're not able to walk with God. And I will tell you something and make this very plain. If you cannot live this Christian life, it is because you are not saved. Period. That's just the truth. I didn't say you have to live like I tell you to live. I didn't say I, you have to live how this book tells you to live. If you're telling me I can't obey this book, then you're not saved. That's just plain and simple. I didn't say perfect obedience. I didn't say you'd never fail. I didn't say you'd never fall. I didn't say any of that. The pattern of this book, God has commanded us, right? And he has given every command that God gives New Testament believers, they are able to perform through the Spirit. Amen. They are. And when they fail, what do they do? The same thing God says. They repent. They get right. They get back up again. And they live for God. That's the Christian life. It's not that you'll never fall. It's that you'll never entirely fall. Do you know the difference? Hebrews says it's impossible for them who were once enlightened who have tasted of the heavenly gift, right? It's impossible for them to be renewed again. Why? Because they're not going to fall. There is, a righteous man falleth seven times, a just man, and riseth again. What is that number seven? Why did he say seven? Was that an accident? No, it was on purpose. It's perfection. It's the complete man. It's the mature man. <laughs> it, it, what, what it's saying is, is as a Christian, <laughs> you're going to fail. There's going to be times that you sin. There's going to be times that you fail. But you will rise again. Because God is able to make you stand. Amen. That's the point. Don't miss what I'm saying here and, miss, and, and, and confuse what I'm saying. Because I'm not saying, I'm not speaking of a sinless perfection. Far from it. Far from it. I'm saying that God has designed the Christian life and God, has, God has, has created us in Christ Jesus unto good works, which means that if God commands us to do something and if he guides us through there and he shows us in his scriptures and he gives us his spirit, we are well able to do it. Amen. He didn't command you to be sealed with the spirit, did he? No, he commanded you to be filled with the spirit. Well, then that means that it's my responsibility to be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And His is the sealing. And He already did it when He saved you. The filling is your responsibility. Amen. And He tells you how to do it. And I've taught on that. And I've taught broadcasts on that. I've preached on that. And I'll probably teach on it again. It'll come up again. But I've taught on that. On how to be filled with the Spirit. Because the Bible says very plainly how you can be. And anyone in this room that's saved by the grace of God can be filled with the Spirit. And probably is. Right? It's not some spooky Pentecostal thing where you start flying and levitating in the room. Right? Speaking in tongues and running around the room like a moron. Right? Casting out devils and, and smacking people on the forehead. That isn't being filled with the Spirit. That's being a lunatic. That's a cheap imitation. 
Let me tell you what being filled with the Spirit is, is getting up every day and serving God, reading this book and following it, raising your family for the Lord, continuing on in the faith. Amen. Being responsible and accountable, loving your family, loving your neighbor, loving your Lord, and being a good, a good steward of what God has given you. That's being filled with the Spirit. In whatever capacity you have, whether you're a mother, whether you're a father, whether you're single, whether you're a child under your parents' uh, authority, whether you're a pastor, whether you're uh, in, 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 a husband or anything else, that's what it is. It's not any more complex than that. And God tells you in each station of life how to do it. Wherever you're at right now in this room, wherever you're at, God tells you how you can be filled with the Spirit. And it gives directions to how to be filled with the Spirit. Amen. It's there. But when somebody tells me it's not possible, I can't, I can't, be, I can't live this Christian life. Well, I've seen them. They leave. I don't mean just leave the church. They just leave the faith. They just walk away. They go, they go do something else or they go somewhere where they're not accountable to anybody and they don't have to be and they can kind of just hide out and do whatever they want. Why? Because the scrutiny of it all they can't handle. And I, they, by, the, by the way, the scrutiny is not me. The scrutiny is us. You get that, right? It's not me. It's us as a body because the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. When you got to learn to love your brother and you got to learn to get along and do all those things, man, you, you just can't, you can't just get mad and blow up on them all the time. You can't do that, right? You got to learn to get along. You got to learn to love each other. And by the way, when somebody does blow up on you, you got to learn to forgive them and move on. Amen. Be like, you know what? I'm just having a bad day. Either that or Dave's that ugly. I don't know which it is, but it's, <laughs> it's one of the two. I don't know which, but... Right, Dave? is one of the two. I don't know which it is. <laughs> they saw Dave's feet, and that's what did it. It just made him angry. But we don't know, right? But you know what we do know is that we got to love each other. All right, we got to forgive, and we got to move on. Don't get stuck on that stuff. Don't get stuck on somebody offending you. Man, Paul said, who's offended and I burn not? <laughs> He's like... Man, you're offended. What do you think I go through, Paul said? <laughs> he said, what do you think I go through? <laughs> you just move on, right? Some things has got to be like water off a duck's back, right? You just got to keep going. You got to keep going. Got to keep moving, right? Amen. Now, it is possible that a man is that rebellious, okay? But it's not possible that God has not enabled one of his children to obey his commands. And that, that his life is not new. That's impossible. That's not salvation. When people tell, well, I can't. Well, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It's like, I don't believe in two saved people. You come to this church, or you're members of this church, and you tell me, if you were a married couple, you tell me, what? Well, oh, we just can't do it. We're going to get divorced. What for? Which one of you don't want to live for God? Which one of you don't love each other? Which one of you ain't loving? Why? Because I, I believe two, two saved people can do all things through Christ which strengthen them. Amen. I'm, I, I understand the, the truth about divorce and remarriage. I know all those. I understand all those things. I, I get them. I taught them. I, I believe that. I believe those. But you know what? I wouldn't give two people any excuse here that, that come up under this preaching and you tell me you can't love your wife. I'm going to ask you why. 
If you've got the love of God in you, why? You can't love your husband and ask you, you've got the love of God in you, why can't you? It's a good question to ask, ain't it? When two people tell me they're ready to walk away from each other, it's the first thing I'm going to ask them. You love God? You got the love of God in you? Then you can love. Amen. I mean that. There ain't no excuse for not loving one another. You not figure all of that. Most of that stuff all comes down to selfishness anyway. It all comes down to selfishness. Somebody wants their own way, and they're not willing to. They're not willing to give a hundred percent and give all to one another, in the sight of the Lord. Amen. That's why you want to know why. You tell me you're two saved people. I'll tell you, you can love each other then. You know, people used to meet, they used to not even know each other. They would meet and they would get married right away, live their whole lives together, 50 years, die together. Not even know each other. And now you got, oh, we got to take this compatibility test. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do all these other things. Really? There are people that met like somebody, like the train came in. They dropped off. Oh, hi, I'm your wife. Oh, all right. They just got married and lived 50 years, married? Amen. Russian mail order bride or something like that, lived 50 years, died together. Right? But now you got people that say, oh, well, I don't know, we got, this just it doesn't work. That's not love. Especially save people, I don't even want to hear that nonsense. And by the way, if you're in that much trouble, you waited way too long to talk about it. If you're in that much trouble, you better talk about it long before that. Before you ever get to that point, because there's a lot of stuff that happened way up before then. You better get it taken care of. Don't wait that long. Amen? Listen, we're not perfect. We come to maturity. We sin and we have to get right with God daily, hourly, sometimes. But the direction of our lives is heaven bound. With the hammer down like Shay, my friend says. If it's not, you better seriously consider your soul tonight what direction you're going because we are his workmanship and that means that he's working on us and in us and that work shows it's not done where it can be seen where it cannot be seen it's it's done very openly God shows his work changing and conforming the man to the image of Christ or the woman to the image of Christ and many times it's a painful confirmation especially when we think we're all that when our pride gets us and we think we're, we're pretty spiritual people. Yeah, you're spiritual, all right. <laughs> Paul said, if you think you're spiritual, then you better obey the things that he said. <laughs> if any man thinks he's spiritual, he said that in 1 Corinthians 14 when he was, when he was uh, laying them out for having women preachers in the church and letting women get up and speak. He said, well, if any man thinks he's spiritual then he'll obey these commands. He'll follow this. This is the aspect of the truth that is emphasized in James, like we talked about earlier. When James says that faith without works is dead, he does not mean we are saved by faith plus works, but by, that kind of, by the kind of faith that results in a life of good works. Works prove the reality of our faith. And Paul heartily agrees when he says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's, I mean, no one knows you're saved except by the way that you live your life. Right. It's not just the profession of your mouth, it's the profession of your life. Right. It's the conduct of your life. It's the way that you and I live our lives. 
they know that we abstain from all appearance of evil, that we have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them that we stay far away from an evil matter, that we live our lives by certain principles, and we're honest in the sight of all men. Amen. That's, that we live our lives that way with integrity. God's people have to live with integrity. Man, sometimes you catch yourself saying something, you have to correct it. Whoop, that wasn't right. I've done that. Have you done that? I've done that. I'm going to say something, not thinking about what I'm saying. But nope, that's not right. And I fix it. That's integrity. You've got to have character and integrity. If you say something you shouldn't, it's out of turn, correct it right away. Just correct it. Sometimes we have diarrhea of the mouth. It just keeps kind of going. Right? If you talk enough in front of people, you'll say something you shouldn't have. Believe me. Right? It's like preaching on the pulpit on the street, man. Sometimes we say stuff, we're like, man, I can't believe I said that. Oh, man, why'd I say that? Right? You talk enough in front of people, you're going to say something that you shouldn't have. It just happens. Amen? But we gotta, we got to do right either way. we got to correct it. We just correct it. Right? People ain't going to look at you evil if you just correct something. Say, well, I misspoke there. I shouldn't have said that like that. A better way to explain that would be this. Right? So we don't leave something in somebody's mind. That's, that's going above and beyond not lying. That's just being clear. Right. It's, it's you know, it being clear and having integrity. And we all have to do that, right? Next, he says, uh, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Right? He says, created in Christ Jesus. One man said it this way. As Christians created in Christ Jesus, we are God's workmanship. It cannot be that our salvation comes by works because it is such a quickening from death to life as amounts to nothing short of a new creation. And because God is the only creator, we only become new creatures through union with Christ and by the grace of God that is in him. To know if this is our condition, we must see if we bear the traces of the great worker upon our persons. God's work must have the characteristics of good work. Right? Good trees bring forth what? Good fruit. Good fruit. Amen. He says, one, fitness. God finds us out of joint. He shapes us suitably for our vocation. A house without adaption to its ends may look handsome, but it is a failure. A true Christian will not only have a saintly bearing, he will have a practical suitability for his mission. In other words, God equips the saint for whatever lot of life he is in or she is in. He equips them. Makes sense, right? He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Right? Now he's speaking to save people when he says that. Thoroughness. Number two, thoroughness. How thorough is God's work in nature as seen in the microscopic organs of the smallest insects? The new creation is as thorough as the old creation. Down to every thought and fancy, God shapes the character of his redeemed. Amen. If you think God works minutely in his creation, but he doesn't in his new creation of, of souls, really? You don't think God minutely works in you? Man, I know he does. Because if it wasn't for that, I'd be in a lot of trouble. He fits you for where he wants you. Right. Thoroughly. Minutely. Specifically. God is specific when he does what he does. He's a workman. Right? We are his workmanship. So then God specifically fits you to be the person that he wants you to be in Christ. 
Think about that. And in beauty, the best work is graceful and fair to look upon. God's spiritual work is adorned with the beauty of holiness. So far is this salvation from being our own work or granted for our own work's sake that we are ourselves not only the creatures of God, but our new creatures was produced by and were produced by his power. For we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He has saved us that we may show forth the virtues of him who hath called us from darkness into his marvelous light. People see our good works and glorify our Father. People question about salvation and question about who Christ is by the lives of his saints. He said, ye are the light of the world. Right? We are salt and we are light. So then the only way men, sometimes the only Bible men read are us. <laughs> That's it. If we're not different, if we're not, if God didn't make us different, then they would have no reason to look. But they look because they just, they can't, I mean, they, they see it and they're amazed by it. They look and they wonder, like, why are those people like that? Why do they do what they do? Though we are not saved for our good works, yet we are saved that we may perform good works to the glory of God and the benefit of man. This is an, eternal, an, an internal work and is a good and an excellent work. It is not indeed perfected at once. I can't emphasize that enough to you. In the sense of ongoing sanctification, you have to understand that God's work is not complete in you the day you get saved in that sense of sanctification. It is an ongoing work. I'm not speaking of justification. Justification is instant. You're justified for all of eternity. Sanctification is an ongoing work of the Spirit, whereas God forms you into who he wants you to be in this life. That, is, that work is ongoing. But justification is immediate. Now, in the eyes of God, you are justified and you are sanctified by Christ Jesus. But in the practical, in the, in practical sanctification of everyday life and living, that is an ongoing process. It's likened unto Israel when God gave Israel the land, they fought, they had to fight. Remember we talked about that? They had to go into the land, but they had to fight when we, when we were doing expository preaching in, in Joshua chapter 1 through 10. We were on that for, I don't know how long, maybe six months, but we talked about that. And remember how they, God promised them the land, but he said, you have to fight, right? You, you still have to fight. You got to go in and you got to fight. Well, then God also said he left some of those enemies there, right? He didn't eradicate all those enemies that he may prove them to know whether they would be obedient. That's your life. That, that's the same as you and me. God does not eradicate the sin nature in us in this life, but he allows things to stay there so you and I will prove or he will prove to you that he will keep you. And also that he will prove to you, that you will prove to him your love. Your love doesn't save, save you. His love saved you. I'm going to say that again. Your love doesn't save you. His love saved you. Right. You understand that? You're not proving or earning anything from God. Jesus loved you. He died for you. Amen. 
He saved you and redeemed you. For God so loved the world that he gave. But your sanctification is an ongoing process and your obedience is part of that and your obedience proves your love. It shows your love to God. Do you understand that? It's like a wife that obeys her husband. When a woman doesn't obey her husband, she doesn't love him. She's not practicing love. She doesn't obey him. I won't, by the way, women, you can give all the excuses in the world or they could give all the excuses in the world as to why they don't obey. But really, the bottom line is you're not loving if you're not obeying. And the same thing goes for God and your relationship with God. If you're not obeying him, you're not loving him. Amen. That's plain and simple. Jesus said what? If you love me, keep my commandments. God said he would rather have what? Obedience than sacrifice. I don't need anything from you. I want your obedience. Amen? Do you see? It's the same thing. That's, that's how sanctification works. That is his workmanship. God is working on us, but we obey to show our love. It is God's work. And we are to obey. It's an internal work. And it is not perfected at once, but it is gradually carried on till the finishing stroke is given to it by that hand which begun it. The author of it is God. It is not man's work, nor is it the work of ministers, nor of angels, but it is God's work. God's specific handiwork on the soul. Sometimes it is ascribed to the Spirit of God who regenerates and sanctifies. Sometimes to the Son of God who quickens whom He will. And sometimes to the Father who reveals His Son and draws men to Him and who seems to be meant here. The subjects of this divine operation are the persons described in Ephesians 2.1. Who are those people? And you hath He quickened. Those that are made alive. And include both Jew and Gentile and express the distinguishing graces of God that they, and not others, who are by nature the children of wrath as others, should be his workmanship. And this is mentioned to show that salvation cannot be by any works of men, since all their works are either wrought for them or in them by God. Amen. Of his good salvation is the work wrought for them without them, and sanctification is a work wrought in them by God of his good pleasure. And all their work, good works are fruits of his grace. A new creature, not a new vamp of old Adam's principles. Do you understand that? God didn't just give life to Adam, your fallen nature. No, 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 no. <laughs> he gave you a new nature. He didn't give, that flesh is still dead. That flesh is dead, right? It, it's, it's dead in trust. It'll always be dead in this life until it's made new one day. But it, he didn't give a new vamp of old Adam's principles, but an infusion of new ones. It is a work of almighty power, and such you have it wrought in them are said to be created in Christ. Because as soon as a man becomes a new creature, he is openly and visibly 
in Christ. And by these new principles of grace which are created him, he is fit and ready in his capacity to perform good works. The new man formed in him is formed for righteousness and true holiness. The internal principle of grace both excites unto and qualifies for the performance of righteous and holy actions. It's God's grace. It's his workmanship. That's why you can... That's why you can do things for God. You can, you can serve the Lord. That's why. I remember, <laughs> I just keep remembering this years ago with Jacob. It was a long time ago. Man, was that, Jacob, was that like seven years ago probably? Eight in January. Is that eight years, really? Or seven? Eight in December that you were saved? Seven, seven, seven years. I, I remember before Jacob was saved, I remember something happened, an incident took place. And, and uh, I'm not, he doesn't care if I say it, but, he, but I, I remember it, it, it happening and I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong with him. I just knew it was. Because the way, because he, the, the, the excuses that he made and the way that he explained it and everything, and I was gone, I was out of town, and something came up. It wasn't a moral issue or anything like that, but it was just something that came up. And, and I, could, I just knew, I could tell that something was wrong. And I told him. I think I told you anyway. Did I? <laughs> I don't think I was very nice, was I? Or was I? Or was I? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So, but when, when we got to that point, and I, 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 knew that, that he, I knew that there was a good chance that he wasn't saved, just because it didn't add up. And I was concerned for a while about some things like that, and I watched, and I waited, and then the Lord showed him. He revealed it unto him. It wasn't because he messed up or anything. It's just the way that it happened. It's the excuses that he made. And that wasn't a saved man to talk that way, especially when you're dead in the rights and you're like, you're caught, like, right? And, and the Lord showed him that. And I didn't press him or anything like that. I just, I let God do that. When men get to that point, I don't do that. I let God deal with them. And God does. And he did. And how long was it after that? It was a couple weeks maybe or something, was it? That you got saved after that? Was that when it was? Okay. Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. I mean, God was working on him for a while, though. I mean, the Lord was working on him for a while, you know. Some, and, but I'm going to tell you something. He was trying to do right. I believe he was. But he couldn't. And he got saved. And, man, his life has changed. Called into the ministry. Amen. We look forward to those things in the future. And, and you know, I, I believe that. I, I watched God do that work in him. I've watched him grow. And then Carly got saved a little way later. I've watched her grow leaps and bounds uh, through that. And it's just, it, that's God's work. I, I, you can't do that work in people. You can help it along by ministering and preaching and being faithful, but you can't do that. It's God that does that. And it's God that did that, right? Didn't matter how much knowledge he had. He had all kinds of knowledge of every, all kinds of things. But he had never been converted. God did it. Changed his life. Changed everything. Boy, it didn't take long either. It really didn't. Amen? It didn't. God did that. 
Amen. That's a blessing, isn't it? It sure is to watch. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So little inward capacity had we for such works that we required to be created in Christ Jesus in order that we might do them. <laughs> as much Everything we try to do before we're saved is like filthy rags. It's God that saves us and then sanctifies that work and it becomes His works. Right. You see what I mean? Before you're saved, you, you, it's just, yeah, it's ours. Yep. After you're saved, it's the works that He Amen. ordained you to have Amen. when you're a child of God, right? That's what He said. Which God hath before ordained that you should, that we should walk in them, right? That's after salvation, after somebody's born again. That's God's work. The inward new birth of the soul is indicated. When good works are required, this gracious change had to be wrought to secure them. You couldn't, you couldn't do anything good until God saved you. None of us can. We can't do anything good until God changes us, That's right. makes us new. The purpose of, a, of the new creation is to produce those good works. Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a people of his own. People zealous of good works. It is not good works first and grace after, but grace first and good works after. Amen. There's an order there. It's all, always the good works follow. They are never before. We are his workmanship. He means in respect to the new creation. Not only as men, but as saints. The new man is a new creature and God is its creator. It is a new birth and we are born or begotten of his will. In Christ Jesus, that is on the account of what he has done and suffered. And, and, and by the influence and operation of his blessed spirit. Why is that important? Because salvation is of the Lord, and a man is saved by the work of God, by grace. And that grace accomplishes what it is sent out to do. He accomplishes it. He sets out to do it, and he does it. In other words, you should take great comfort that you are a new creature in Christ, and he will perform that work until the day of Christ. That though you struggle with things... You're going to struggle with obedience sometimes. By the way, you're not just going to want to obey joyfully all the time. That doesn't change the fact that you should obey joyfully all the time. Right? But you're not going to. You're going to, have, you're, going to re, you're going to have resistance in the flesh. You are going to have a war. It's going to be there. That's part of the work. God teaches you how to overcome the flesh. Do you understand that? He teaches you how to overcome the flesh by walking in the Spirit. He teaches you how to overcome. We are overcomers, but we learn to be. Sometimes you think that if you don't have absolute victory, the way you measure absolute victory is a perfection. The way God measures it is a direction. Do you see the difference? God measures it by direction. You try to measure it by absolute perfection. But the only one that's absolutely perfect is God. That's right. And you're not going to be. 
That doesn't change the fact that you should want to be. Right. To will is present with me. Right? But I can't. Always. Right? In other words, you should take great comfort that you are a new creature and that God will perform that work. Turn to Philippians 1.6 and we'll be done here. Philippians 1.6 is a good verse. They're all good, right? But this is a good one for tonight here. Look where your confidence is to be. Being confident of this very thing. That he. Yeah, amen. Let me stop there for a second. Amen. Not that you. Right. Not that me. But that he. Paul said that he was confident of this. Being confident of this very thing. That he. That's right. Our confidence is Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will perform it. That's faith. That's believing God. That's where your confidence is. Being confident of this very thing. I'm going to say it again. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the day you stand before him. What is Paul speaking of? Perfection. You'll be perfect when you stand before Jesus. Clothed in his righteousness. You are already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are already seen as perfect. Justified. Amen. Just as if I had never sinned. Right? That's how I'm seen. That's the justification of God. That's the justification of Christ. He took my place. He became sin who knew no sin. That we might be clothed in the righteousness of God. That's justified. Amen. So then the sanctification is what he's talking about here. It's his workmanship. And what is he saying here? Your confidence should lie in this very thing. that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. One day, friend, you'll stand before God. Perfect. Without sin. But here, we pilgrim on. Right? Here we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Again, that's another verse that is the same. I could go on and on and on, but I got to stop. 
You got to get home. Amen. We'll pick it up again next week. Praise God. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your words. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for eternal life in Christ. Thank you for the power of God. Lord, strengthen your saints. And help them to be confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Help us, Lord, please. Strengthen our hearts. Help us to walk with you. Help us to trust you, to believe you, to cling to you, to be strengthened by you. Forgive us our sins. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness. Help us to know the power of God by living it every day of our lives. If there be one or two here not saved, Lord, may they be broken for their sin. May they see Jesus and be born again by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.